Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Welcome back everyone. Hey, thanks for joining me again. Episode 14 and I'm really excited that we are starting over the next couple of episodes a collective my first collective first little series all around girl bosses so i hope you get heaps out of this um today i'm gonna just focus a bit on um, the tips and tricks and challenges and to be really just honest with you about what it's like being a girl boss how i navigate being a girl boss but you know to be honest um I think that there are so many more things that we can learn, particularly by looking at other women who are doing this well in this space. And to be honest, the reason I started this podcast is because I started looking myself at, you know, how do I go about being a female and being in a leadership role and how do I do this well? Because it is different when you're a girl than a guy. Um, and I'm not saying that out of being a victim or a woe is me. It's just different. And I want to learn from other other girls. But anyway, I started looking for stuff and I literally could not find anything. I couldn't find anything on how do you be a girl boss? How do you be a, a girl leader? I literally could find nothing. If you girls can find something or if one of you guys out there know of a good book, like please DM me. I definitely could find stuff on how to be entrepreneurial how to be a a business leader in the, you know, a female business leader, all of that stuff. But how do you actually be a leader? Like if you're not in a business, Um, how do you lead in other spaces? And so this is really kind of where the Girl Next Door podcast was birthed out of because I couldn't find anything. I mean, there's heaps of female authors I love. I love reading their stuff. Although I'm finding a lot of them, um, particularly some of the ones coming out of America, some of them I really love, but some of them, it's just all about being broken all the time and about, you know, all the bad things that happen and how do we break through. And a lot of people resonate with that, but I wanted something that was more like, you know, come on, there's got to be something more than being broken and and yes there's definitely a space for that, but I want to know how to lead. How do you lead people in those spaces? And so hence girl next door was was uh, was birthed and to be honest with you girls what I do is I look around at other women in leadership who are probably not particularly in ministry space and I look at women who I think have done it really well and I look at their lives and I study their lives and even if they haven't even if they're not Christians if they've led in a space really well then I get inspired by that and so that's what this series is going to kind of be about one person I definitely want to do is the queen oh my gosh i just posted her the other day because she did her very first ever ever easter address to the british people and oh she talked about the resurrection power of jesus christ so blatantly and i was so moved so anyway i'm going to talk about the queen next time because I just think, talk about total girl boss. The queen is a total girl boss. So what did you think of my title today? Girl boss in a guy's world. When I told Cameron, he's like, oh, babe, it's not a guy's world. I'm like, no, 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 no. So let me explain what I mean. Like I had to explain to him. I'm not saying that it's a guy's world because guys dominate and the girls are the victims of this man driven universe. 
no, no, no. I'm just literally like, hey, babe, when you look at my life, I am literally a girl boss surrounded by guys. It is just fact. It is my life. And he's like, okay, fair enough. So you all know that Cameron and I run the uh, National Youth Alive and we run Queensland Youth Alive and we're obviously the lead pastors of public. But my space is the Youth Alive Academy space, which started off with five students five years ago. And now we've had hundreds and hundreds of students roll through and we're in, I think, seven locations and and growing and we're right throughout Australia, which kind of like was never my plan. And I definitely want to talk to you on another podcast about how do you pioneer something because I didn't mean for it to kind of happen that way, but it, it just has. So that's my space. That's where I lead. And I said to Cameron, well, hey, when you look about around at my daily kind of life, I am surrounded by a lot of guys. That's why I'm saying, how do you be a girl boss in a guy's world? Because I am in a guy's world very much so. So around me are all state, all the state youth alive directors are guys. And I'm going to, I'm going to touch on that um, a little bit later in the podcast on what about, you know, having a girl, female um, youth alive director. But for now, anyway, all the guys who I absolutely love, every single one of them, um, I'm surrounded by, I deal a lot with male senior pastors uh, in the Youth Alive Academy and definitely mostly male youth pastors. Although I must say there are more female youth pastors coming through, um, one of whom works with for us, which is Shani, who works for me at Youth Alive Academy, but she is our female youth pastor underneath Isaiah and she does do it with her husband too, but she's like the boss boss paid boss there so and then my team of the youth alive directors I've got a team of eight um, so I've got a few people or one person kind of in each state and out of those eight I've got three girls and five guys so you know I'm trying to kind of even up the ledger a bit but again I do want to say to you that I do not put people in the position of academy directors because of their gender and I'm definitely going to touch on this later and I'll tell you what it is that I look for. But I definitely am on the lookout for young girls that God's got their hand on, that he's raising up. And I think there's no better space than, you know, someone like me who can come in and help develop them and give them opportunity. So um, I look at my team and yeah, I look at everyone, the board that are above uh, the the academy, the Youth Alive Board, I'm answerable for the academy to the Youth Alive Board. And again, mostly men. I think we've got like one girl on there. So I'm like, hey, babe, when I say girl boss in a guy's world, I'm like, I do have a lot of guys around me. So he was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so he, he's like, okay, you can call it that then. So there you go. So I just want to help you girls today, um, I guess, just chat with you. Like, I really wish I could sit you on my couch and just chat with you. I know whenever I get together with girls, these are kind of the questions that they ask me. And I just want to talk about how do I navigate? And I'm not perfect at it by any means. But how do I navigate um, being the boss of an organization, being the leader I even hate the word boss, but I love the word girl boss. Um, how do I navigate that? How do I deal particularly with the guys around me? What are, what are the challenges? I'm going to be really honest with you about the challenges because like I said, I started this podcast because I was looking. I'm like, who can I look to? 
Who can I ask questions of? What, what do I do when this happens? What do I do when a guy really challenges me and I know I need to confront them and how do I go about doing that without them thinking that I'm some emotional moody female? Like what do I do? And I couldn't find the answers other than obviously I pray and my like, Holy Spirit help me out here. Um, and so I'm wanting to pass down to you what I feel I don't have in my life right now. Although in the past, I must say, in my old church growing up in Adelaide, I had so many phenomenal girls around me who, by the way, were put there because they were so competent and so good at what they did. They weren't put in their roles or their staff roles because they were married to someone in leadership. There was a lot of girls that I had around me to look up to, which honestly was normal to me. And I've said it to you before until I moved to Queensland. And then I was like, what? Where's, where's the girls? Where are the girl leaders other than leading women's ministries? And I did not want to lead a women's ministry. I have got no heart, no desire. Sorry, not no heart. I've got a heart. I've got like no desire to run a women's ministry ever or a women's conference ever. Not thank you. So I'm like, other than that or, or the kids department, where are all the girls? And so I'm just going to, I guess, chat with you about the things that I find have been my challenges and the things that I've learned along the way. So I would say the very first thing that we need to do is we need to find our voice as a leader. We need to find our self, our true authentic self and lead from that. Um, You know, as a writer, and I've studied writing, that was the second degree that I did after teaching as I studied writing. And the thing that I learned, one of the things that I learned, which I loved was that as a writer, you need to find your voice. And at first, what happens is you, you know, you read lots of books or you have your favorite authors. And at first you tend to kind of sound like them when you write. But then after a period of time, you kind of begin to find your own style and begin to find that you sound like you. And so like, for example, I love Jodie Pico books. I can pick up any Jodie Pico book and they have very much the same tone, the similar She's got, obviously, I can tell from reading it that it's her style. She's got a similar pattern that in every book, I love Francine Rivers, same thing. It's the same in leadership, girls. We need to find our voice. Now, this is whether you're in ministry or perhaps at work, like me, you're in a a leadership role of some sort. That could be anything. It could be like being a a manager of a cafe. It could be that you're in um, some sort of business where you've been put in a managerial position or you run your own business or perhaps like me, you're in the education sector or you could be a girl listening to this who is um, a a female in leadership in the church. So find your voice. Um, Be sure of who you are. And how do you do that? You know, it just takes time. Just like to become a writer to find your own voice you have to read a lot and then you just have to practice writing a lot until you feel really comfortable and you feel like oh this is me this is I love this sound that I have in my writing it's the same with leading look around at other women learn from them but then learn by leading what it is that is your true self and I would say lead from your true self and and my biggest bit of advice that I definitely hands down do would be lead from your heart um but that's my, that is my style. My style is to lead from my heart. You might resonate with that. You might not resonate with that. You might be someone that, um, you know, you might be a real number cruncher and, and, and you might have a completely different kind of style of leadership to me. You might, 
you know, be more logical and, and that's fine. But for me, I just find that leading from my heart and makes me my true self. And that's where I'm the most confident. So a little story here. I was uh, running Youth Alive Academy. I had a guest come in and this guest was coming in to do chapel and to do a lecture. And this guest was a male, an older male. Um, and I have plenty of them in and absolutely love them. And this particular one is uh, quite high up in the leader position, leadership position. Um, and he came in a little bit early. And so he came at the start of the class where I was just kind of welcoming the students and saying good morning. Now, I have been doing this as a teacher for a long, long time. Like I've always had the conclusion that if I'm going to spend the whole day with this little group of kids in my class, I want them to feel so loved and so welcomed and I want them to enjoy their day. And one of the things I do is I don't just say, good morning, class, and they don't, you know, good morning, Mrs. Bennett. I actually go around, I've always done this, I've always said good morning to every individual kid. Like, good morning, Emily, how are you today? Good morning, Jonas, are you feeling better? And I just add something personal, um, you know, not everyone every time, but a lot of the times I try to, they might have been sick or, you know, something happened or, some, or it was their birthday or something, and I just allude to that. So I do the same in Academy, and I was going around and saying good morning to the students, and I think someone had been sick, so I'm like, are you feeling better today? And I was just doing my thing, being myself, leading the way that I lead. Anyway, I didn't think anything of it, but this guy later pulled Cameron aside and said, well, Renee's two friends. First of all, first of all, he said, well done, Cameron. Um, you're doing a great job building the academy of which I'm like, facepalm, 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 facepalm. This often happens. Cameron and I laugh because, but Cameron's like, you know what, babe, anyone worth half their salt knows it's not me running the academy, it's you. So I just facepalm and go, whatever. But then he said, Renee's too friendly. She's too warm. It's literally what he said. She's too warm. She shouldn't lead that way because that's going to draw the students to her. And, you know, Youth Alive Academy is all about the local church. I was like, what? That is like the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life. And I must say, I wasn't offended, but it also didn't do one single inch to change me because that's my style. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like ringing him and going, dude, like, have you never heard of transformational leadership, like the kind that engages people and changes them along the journey? And the funny thing is, one of the founding core values of the academy, and you can ask any student who's been through the academy, they would say that one of the things they love the most is their heart is just so engaged in that they love academy because they know that all of the directors and the people that, um, you know, teach them and lead them really, really care for them. And so when this guy said that, I literally just dismissed it. I was like, and even Cameron and I laughed the other day again, because this was a couple of years ago, because more and more, the very thing that he told Cameron I should stop doing is the very thing that has helped to grow the academy. And so you just need to find your voice and be true to that. And don't let anyone intimidate you or make you insecure in that. Um, I just think that was funny. I, it's honestly one of the stories that will go down in history. Um for me. Um, so another thing that I do other than find, find your voice, I would say for me, now this works for me. And again, you might find that you're different. So you find what works for you, but I've very much got a relational style of, of leading. That's how I lead. So I'm careful not to be authoritarian. Um, because I just find that I don't know if this is a girl thing or maybe a leadership thing, but particularly, 
If as a girl I act authoritative or, or superior, it just tends to get guys' backs up. I think it gets girls' backs up too, but I think it gets guys' back, back up even more. So I don't roll that way. I very much, um, my leadership style is to be relational and not to assume that someone is going to follow me or want to follow me because of my title and my position. I would rather them follow me because my relational style leads to impact and influence on their life. I don't assume that they're going to follow me because I have a title, because I'm Cameron's wife or because I'm, um, you know, the Youth Alive Academy director. In fact, it really probably frustrates me if people um, think that they have to listen to me because I'm Cameron's wife and he's the National Youth Alive director. That actually really ticks me off because I'm like, no, I don't want people to feel like they have to just listen to me because of that. I want to earn that within my own right myself. Because to be honest, I was actually in leadership before Cameron. He was actually my assistant. I was in leadership roles and always have been even before Cameron was. And so it is a part of who I am. I'm not where I am because of who I'm married to. I am who I am because of the call of God individually on my life. Do you get what I'm saying? I love obviously how Cameron and I roll together, but there's a call of God on my life separately, nothing to do with being Cameron's wife. So I really hate it equally too. If people, um, I've had people before who ignore me because they don't know who I am, which is totally fine. I don't care about that at all. But then all of a sudden, if Cameron's with me, then they're all over me. I'm like, dude, you ignored me. And then when you realize I'm Cameron's wife, now you talk to me. That's a no, no in my book. Just like I want to have a relationship with people because I've built that relationship with people. Um, so the function of my leadership is deeply founded in the relationships that I build. And uh, it doesn't mean you have to be besties with the people that work for you. Um, it just means though, but you need to care about who they are and care about the things they care about. And this is built over time. It takes time to build genuine friendships with the people that work for me or with me and I try to be really well I just by nature I am caring and compassionate and I influence by building genuine relationships with the people that I work with Um, and within being relational you know I want to make it as pleasant as possible for people to interact with me so I am not moody I really make a point not I'm not moody by nature but I really make a point not to be moody in my leadership Guys in particular find that really unpalatable and really unpredictable. And honestly, go back to my very, I think it was the second episode is the most downloaded episode by far, uh, which is the one I did with Georgia on how you can't be an effective leader and be moody. And it's funny because I had a girl write back to me, but how dare you label me as moody? I'm like, uh, you're being an example of exactly what I'm talking about right now. You, you actually with, take a withdrawal massively out of your influential bank balance when you are moody with people. And so I'm not moody and I'm not overly emotional either. Like I care deeply, care deeply for the people that work with me. Um, I love them, but I'm not super emotional because again, I find that the guys are like, oh, they put up with it because they have to, but I don't think they like it. Um, the other thing I do, so I find my voice, be true to myself. I use relationship to build influence. The other thing I do is um, I think you need to take a balance between taking a collaborative approach to your leadership, but knowing when you need to make the calls. 
So um, I think there's a really fine line because if you collaborate with your team all the time that you never make a decision, that's frustrating. But on the other hand, if it's just me making all the decisions all the time and I never collaborate with my team, then that's also frustrating for them. So I am definitely, though, the leader when I need to be. And I usually find that Cameron and I normally attract quite high-level leadership people around us anyway. And if I've got high-level leadership style people working for me, they're going to get very frustrated if I don't lead strongly. And so I do lead strongly. I definitely am a strong female leader, but I think I can even just take the word female out of there. I'm a strong leader anyway. Um... And I think it's frustrating. I know for me, I have literally, I have left organizations before because the leadership over me is not as strong as I am. And I find that frustrating. I can't have, in fact, oh my gosh, here's, here's, here's a little extra one for you girls. When it came to guys and who I was going to date, I went out with a couple of guys and I, I didn't, I don't mean this to sound arrogant, please take this in the right way, but I found that all the guys that I was seeing, that their leadership levels were less than my leadership abilities and capabilities. And I think that's because I was a really strong leader to start with. And hello, I was discipled by Sam and Russell Evans, like Planet Shakers people. And so I had strong leadership over me. They taught me to be a strong leader. And so then I couldn't then date someone who wasn't a strong Um, leader because I knew that in years to come I wouldn't respect them and Cameron and I can be really fiery and feisty but it's it's a good thing because I Cameron is a really strong leader and I'm very strong so you've got to be stronger than me (laughs) and he is stronger than me I'd say we're equally strong but he's very strong and he ain't no walk in the park and he dated me because he said I was more difficult I wasn't an easy get he knew that I was strong and he knew that he needed someone strong so there you go. Don't compromise, girls. Don't go out with someone that's got wishy-washy, weak leadership if you are a strong leader. One of the things I loved about Cameron was he was a re- he was a great decision maker. Because when it comes to things like, where should we go for coffee? Where should we go for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not good with those decisions, but he was. And I was like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, So another reason I can be a strong leader is because, you know, I've been in education for 20 years and I've been in ministry for over 20 years. And so when it comes to the academy, which requires both skills, leadership and um, education and teaching, I've got a lot of experience. So I know the calls that I need to make in order for the academy to work well. And the other thing, too, is I work really hard um, at my state level in my um, in the academy that I run so I'm getting my hands dirty so to speak at local level and so I know what works and I know what doesn't and that helps me to lead strongly in the national space so I'm never asking these guys to do something that I haven't done myself I'm not asking them to do something that I'm not modeling or setting the example of myself and so um, for me It's not about gender, it's about competency. And this is a huge one when it comes to my leadership and who I put around me and who I work with. It is not about their gender, but it's about their competency. And this is probably just to come back to where I started about there are all male youth alive state directors right now. Um, And sometimes people are like, 
you know, particularly around conference time, why don't we have more female speakers? I'm like, well, actually we do. Actually, if you have a look at the girls that we've had come through um, Youth Alive, we've had a lot of girls, plus obviously I'm there every year. Um, but people will go, well, why aren't there any, you know, Youth Alive directors that are that are female? And my answer to that would, would be this, that we need to make decisions that aren't gender-based, but competency-based. Now, I'm not saying that the guys are more capable than the girls, but it does take a longevity, a long time of building something to be able to end up in the in the position of, of Youth Alive Director. Um, and so it's actually not an easy job. You know, it takes travel. It takes um, having to deal with a lot of different denominations. Uh, it, first of all, you've got to build your own youth ministry yourself and build something with great fruit. Um, you know, you can't just build something small or, you know, you can't not deal with a lot of staff members at a local level or you can't not deal with big budgets at a local level and then expect to be, you know, handed the role of youth alive director and be then dealing with budgets you've never dealt with at a local level. So it really comes back to local level and really we need to start um, investing in our girls over a long period of time at a local level. And that's what we're busy doing at public church. We've got, I think we've got more girls on staff than guys. I love it, but we're, it's going to take a while. So if you even look at five years back with the national youth alive role, no females were involved at all. And then because because I equally run things, you know, with Cameron, although Cameron's ultimately the boss, that's led to a lot of the other girls in the other states rising up as well. But again, it's not a token role. Oh my gosh, that makes me cross if people go, oh, Renee's just doing it because she's married to Cameron. No, I was in leadership a long time, you know, before Cameron and I've been in leadership for a long time and I'm competent in my role. So it's not to do with my gender, it's to do with my my competency levels and so we've got to invest in girls over a longer period of time there have been girls that have come through the ranks and to be really honest here's a few reasons why they haven't become the directors is one would be there was one girl so competent and very much called to business and she started a global business and is hugely successful um there's been christine kane has been someone who has been a youth alive director then there are other girls um you know, we've got some girls that are starting to track through at a regional level because you can't just go from running a youth group to, oh, I'm going to be the youth live director. You've got to actually build something beyond your youth ministry as well. And so there are girls that have been at at, um, at regional levels and they could have tracked further, but they chose to start a family. And I think yay to you girls, because sometimes, you know, um, oh, this is a podcast for another time, but we actually can't have it all, do it all and be it all. And I took a big period of time. Um, out where I didn't work and I raised our kids because Cameron was busy in ministry and I wanted to be there for them and I didn't want my kids raised by nannies and I didn't want my kids raised in childcare so I was a stay-at-home mum and I love that and I honour the girls that do that but you know what that might interrupt the scheme of things and by the time they come back in um, you know they're not in youth ministry anymore and so there's a few reasons why there might not be females right now but I think if we look back to where we were five six years ago where there were no girls involved very few and if we look now at how many girls are involved I say yay we're on the right track and let's just keep investing in our girls and now I think I've completely lost my oh yeah so I was talking about it's about competency not your gender um so even years ago you know Cameron would travel 
um, back when the kids were really little and we're living in Adelaide and we were um, executive pastors at Influencers and we were over everyone from 12 to 35 and we had about 10 staff members under us. See, See what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Cameron didn't become the Youth Live Director because he didn't not build anything. Like we were running... Um, you know, a staff of 10 and we had thousands of people under us at within our role at our church from 12 to 35. So it was a natural progression that he would become Youth Alive Director in SA and then Queensland. And the reason I was telling you that is if Cameron was away traveling and preaching because I chose to be at home because I chose to be the one raising our kids while he was busy, um, the guys that worked for us would often come to me and ask me to make calls on different things or would ask me, hey, Renee, what do you want to do? Sometimes I'd say, oh, yeah, let's do this or this. But often I would defer back to them and go, oh, you guys make the call. You guys make the decision. And Cameron and I were talking the other day and saying, why did I do that? Did I do that? Because, you know, I'm, I'm really respectful of male authority, which I am. And this is another podcast. <laughs> Every time I talk, I'm like, oh, I've got to do a podcast on this or that. But I think it was more because not to do with male authority but those guys were so competent in their roles i'm like guys honestly you're so good at what you do cameron and i so trust you that's why you work with us so you guys make the call and that's still what i do to this day you know if people start in a um in a a place of trust and, and they're competent that's what i look for in the youth alive academy and i do really actually keep my eye out for girls to put in the academy spaces because um, because I know that we need to invest in more girls and give more good girls the opportunities. And if I can do that in my Youth Alive Academy space, then I will. But ultimately, when it comes down to who we put in those roles, I go for competency over gender. And if the girl is the competent one, she gets the job. And if the guy is the comp- more competent one, he gets the job. And I think that's how we have to continuously keep keep leading, which means girls, we've got to keep getting really good at what we do. All right, so I'm going to finish off with a challenge that I find my greatest challenge would be, and it's to do with this whole competency thing. I have found myself the most difficult situation I find myself in as a female leader is when a guy who's working with me or for us is actually not up to the task and is showing himself not to be competent or is going over my head and making calls that he shouldn't make, but maybe he's assuming he can. And I don't know if it's because of their personality or if, if because they're like, I'm the, I'm a girl. And so they think they can. I don't think it's that it's usually just personality. Um, but if I find a guy that's working in our space is having a bad effect on our organization, then I need to confront that. And I find this the most challenging thing as a girl is how to confront a guy because I think a lot of um, a lot of guys are totally fine with it, but some guys don't don't like it. They don't like being confronted by a female. Um, and so what I do and, and the reason that I confront, by the way, is number one, I'm super usually confident in my call or in what I'm feeling because I've invested a lot of time and a lot of experience into the areas that I'm a leader over. I'm not there because of a title. I'm not there because I'm married to Cameron. I'm I'm there because I have a certain set of competency. So I know when there's someone working with me who's failing in that area or not showing themselves to be competent. And I take stewarding the resource that God has given me in the academy really seriously. And I take our standards really seriously. And I take 
the program we offer students really seriously. And I work super hard on that. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to work hard on that for some guy or girl to come along and just not be competent and ruin or um, have a bad effect on our organization and on our reputation. And I'm huge on work ethic. I cannot stand lazy people. Sorry, let me reword that. I cannot stand laziness. I love the person, but I can't stand laziness. Anyway, years gone by, there was a male um, a male staff person, a male, a male person in our world uh, who really was showing himself not to uphold the values that we held very dearly and took very seriously in Youth Alive world and um, really wasn't showing work ethic and wasn't just showing competencies. And at first Cameron said to me, well, babe, this is good. This is going to be, um, what did he say? Something like, this is going to be a bit of a stretch on your leadership. You know, can you deal with this person? Can you make it work? And I remember I was really mad with him at the time. I'm like, I can tell you right now that this is not going to work. And this would have been six months before the confrontation happened. I knew. So what I do is I take the emotion out of it and I try and stick to the facts. That's what I do because I find there is nothing worse than a girl that comes along and confronts a guy in a moody manner or in an emotional manner or crying or like, it's just not professional and it's not good. It's not smart. So I was like, okay, take a chapter out of Cameron's book. And this is something girls I found helps me so much when dealing with difficult people, take the emotion out of it and stick to the facts. Now I'm not good off the cuff. I always say Cameron should be a lawyer. He's really good off the cuff when people argue with him. I'm not so good. I get a bit flustered and I'm like, Ugh. and I don't want people not to like me. That's my other thing. I like people liking me. And I'm also aware that it can be a little bit harder being a girl doing the, you know, confronting. So I write things down and I actually will kind of rehearse the conversation in my head. But over a period of time, I'll write down things where I'm like, okay, so that when I come and I confront the person, I've actually got examples of what I'm talking about. And so I keep very cool and very calm very collected. And I just say, Hey, I've noticed this and this, and I usually don't land it on them all at once, by the way. Usually I've tried to be a little bit more subtle and hope that they pick up from my subtle meetings with them or my subtle way of talking to them that they'll go, Oh, okay. Renee means I need to do this better. I need to change that. But this particular person did not get my subtle hints. And it got to the point where it got really bad and they'd done a couple of things that were extremely opposite to the values that we hold in the academy. Uh, well, actually not just in academy, beyond academy. This was beyond academy. And so I confronted this person and I just said, hey, I think maybe you need to think about your behavior in this, this and this area. And um, oh, it did not go down well. Oh, did it not go down well? My worst nightmare came true. Um, and there were other people around, but people didn't weren't listening in to our conversation. And this person got so aggressive, so aggressive with me, like so aggressive. I was like, oh my God, where's this head? Like, I just thought he was going to explode. And I actually started shaking inside because I couldn't believe that this person was reacting in that way. And he got really aggressive. And then he actually did some nasty things to get back at me afterwards. And they were really unkind. Like I would never treat anybody like that ever. I would never do what this person did to me. But you know what I thought to myself? His reaction and what he did says everything about him. 
and nothing about me. Like this isn't to do with me. This is to do with this person and, and us calling out these behaviors is just, you know, you can either choose to like have an honest conversation and be apologetic and go, I am so sorry. And I want to learn and I want to improve and I want to, you know, be the best person I can in this role. Or you can choose to be like this person who completely reacted the wrong way. So what did I do? I did nothing. After that, we let the person go. I said nothing. I didn't defend myself. I stayed quiet because I realized that this had a lot more to do with what was going on inside that person than in me. And I guarantee you, your reputations go before you. And um, I've had so many people work with me over the years that know that what this person said or did or put out there was so untrue. Um, And it literally, people were texting me going, are you, are you kidding me that that person did that? I was like, Yep. And people were offended on my behalf, which was great. I was like, whatever. And I, and I just didn't get offended at all. And so I just think if that happens, obviously that's kind of the exception and not the rule. Most people are amazing if you have to confront them or talk to them. And I usually like I try and do it in the kindest way possible, but this person kind of had left nowhere for us to go on this one. And so um, I remember hearing a Craig Rochelle podcast, which the best bit of advice he gave was tell the best version of the truth and do it in love. And that's what I did. I couldn't water down what this person was doing. I had to tell the best version of the truth, but do it in love. And we had to let them go for the good of everyone. But, um, you know, if you're genuinely confident in, in your role, and, and I was, I've been teaching for 20 years, I've been pastoring for over 20 years. I understood my circle of competence and I was comfortable with, with what I did. And so there you go. Uh, I hope that's really helped you. Um, what do you do if something's outside? your circle of confidence like what do you do if you're leading people and you're not sure what to do well there's a couple of things you can either go to someone that you look up to who's been in that role before you and ask them what did you do here what did you do there or you can bring the team in I've got such a great team honestly shout out to my team I've got Maddie in Sydney and I've got Clammy in um, the Hunter and I've got Dave Reardon Victoria and Sam it just a great team and they've all got an area of competence that I don't have and I've got no qualms at all in in appealing to them for for help in a particular area and so I think it's a good thing to be able to do that but at the end of the day they still know I'm the boss and I make the calls but we've got such a beautiful relationship I would say we're like we're like family that's but that's how I roll that's going back to how how I roll um pick your team carefully Try and have people around you that hold the, the same values. I've been so lucky in this, in that anyone that um, we've been able to put into the academy role, I've been able to have a, a say in who that person is. So I pick really carefully according to the values that I know I want exemplified at the academy. And so we've just got a wonderful team. If you don't have the opportunity to pick your team and you've inherited a team, I would say make it your aim to win any difficult people on board. That's what I would do. I pick up because usually it's the most difficult people that will go behind your back and gather other people to them and make the other people loyal to them. And then you're kind of in trouble. So I would look and see, okay, who were the influential people on the team? And are they, do, do they have my back or don't they? And if they don't have your back, I, my aim is to make those person, those people, my very best friend, I win them on board And that makes them put their guard down. And usually the people that start off the most difficult end up becoming your biggest advocate. So that's what I would do. 
Um, keep up your high expectations. Keep up your high standards. I expect a lot of people, a lot of um, high expectations from our team and I don't compromise. Uh, have the tough conversations and you've got this. Um, we're all learning, doing it together. So I hope that's helped you and I can't wait for you to tune back over the next few as we talk about other girl bosses and we can learn from their life because I can see that God is raising up such an incredible army of women, of girls. I love you. Thank you for tuning in. I love, I so appreciate that you tune in every week and I look forward to being with you next week. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.